Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia welcomes you to our weekly time of worship and study of God's Word with Pastor Jesse Wagoner. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable, because when you're here, you're home. If you need to make your way to the 17th verse of Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to continue our study of these great people of faith. We've entitled our series, Jesus the Greatest of All, because that's a major theme that flows through this book, that above all the things that the, excuse me, the readers of this book would have been excited about, and they were facing some tough times, they felt like quitting, he reminds them again and again that above everything is Jesus. Above it all is the Lord. He is the greatest of, of all in their experience. So if you have a Bible, please turn there. If not, you can uh, grab your phone. We encourage you to go to BibleGateway.com, and you can just put in the text of Hebrews chapter 11, and you can read on your device there because I would really like you to see this text in front of you if at all possible. Today we want to talk about faith in the real world. Faith in the real world. There are some people who maybe think that we believers do not operate in the real world. You know, we believe in this fanciful, spiritual uh, thing that we believe in. We believe in the future of heaven and all that. And, and that's just not real world. Well... The four generations of people we look at in verses 17 through 22 lived in the real world, the raw real world, the imperfect real world. And you'll notice as it says in verse 17, it begins with two words, by faith. That phrase, by faith, appears 17 times in, the book of, in, the, in this chapter in, first, in the Hebrews, uh, going all the way from the beginning to the end. And these people live by faith. And I just want to remind us of the results and what it looks like to live by faith in the real world as we look at these lives of these four generations of our forefathers. I just want to begin with this idea to sort of kind of encapsulate our thoughts. Faith is what allows us to meet, understand, and respond to all of life experiences. The people that you were to read in this text had varied life experiences greatly different from each other, but the thing that ties them together and ties everyone in this chapter together and ties everyone who's a follower of God together is that we live by faith, not by sight, not by our own reckoning, but by what He has determined, what He has revealed, and what He leads us to believe. So He calls us to choose to believe. He calls us to, in every point along the way, that we choose faith, we choose to believe, we choose to accept what He has said as accurate as dependable, reliable, unchangeable, eternal, and it's his word. He calls us to that. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested. I'm not fond of that word tested, are you? That's not one of my favorite words, to be tested. It's not just like our, our students taking a test, although they maybe feel that way when they're taking one of those tests. But it means tried. It means really, really the, the faith verified in the, in the crucible of the pressures and the misunderstandings and the hard-to-understand things of life. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Well, we've already looked at, at Abraham's story and that we looked at that last week a little bit, beginning in verses 8 uh, down through verse 12. And then the writer of Hebrews goes into, goes into preaching mode in 13 through 16. But you remember, Abraham was called out of the land in which he was living to go to a land that he didn't know where he was going. And, and he, it says that he, he, he didn't really experience the promises, but he received these promises of, of a land, a, a homeland, a place, and a people, his descendants. 
And you recall that, uh, that he and Sarah had this child of promise when she was about 90 and he was close to 100. This miraculous thing that God did for them. And then he, let me pick up his story here. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So the story unfolds, and by the way, you can read this if you want to. It's back in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 22, where God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son of promise, the son whom he said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, innumerable as the sand by the sea and the stars in the heaven. Through this one, I want you to take him and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice, the taking of his life. And the amazing thing is, Abraham set out to do it. That's an amazing thing. This is the first thing. If we choose to believe, you will obey. Just obedience, just doing what God says as strange or as unknowingly uh, rational, as, as out of sync with what else God has said, just to obey. And off he goes. Now we have a little commentary from the writer of Hebrews that does not appear back in the book of Genesis. It kind of tells us some of what Abraham was thinking. That's where it says, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even even from the dead. So so in the back of his mind, Abraham's obeying God, and if God wants me to take his life, I know God could even raise him from the dead. He had that kind of confidence and faith. That was not God's plan, and you know the rest of the story, and I'll conclude it in just a moment. But he did. He obeyed. He moved forward. And God calls us to obey in a world when sometimes what God asks us to do seems contradictory to what seems like God should be doing. And by the way, the devil will give you every reason to not obey. Our own flesh will give us every reason to not obey. The world around us will give us plenty of reasons not to obey. And here's where it begins in these varied experiences of life that we just choose to believe what God has said is true. If he says don't do it, don't do it. If he says do it, you do it and leave it there because it is our faith that strengthens and bolsters and propels and motivates our obedience. It's certainly not our emotions, certainly not our senses, certainly not our environment that we just choose to believe. And they give you every, the devil and the flesh and the world gives us every reason not to, not to keep our marriage vows. Every reason not to tell the truth, because telling the truth might make things a little uncomfortable for ourselves. Or to not put the full story on that insurance claim, or not to put the the full information on the tax return, or to choose to return anger for anger, and we try to settle our own scores, our own selves, rather than God saying, I'll repay, I'll take care of that. Not letting love cover the multitude of hurts that we have but rather we try to respond inappropriately. I could go on and on and on. It could go down to the faithfulness of, of involvement in our church. It could come down to how the, the, the labor we give our employer. Are we giving him what he is paying us for? On and on it goes. He calls us to obey, and here he just does what God called him to do. Notice he says he offered up, end of 17, his only begotten son. 
Now, you know this story of Abraham, how, and by the way, Isaac would have been a young man by this point, so he's probably in his 20s. He's not just some little toddler. So Isaac would appear that he was not resisting what God had called his father to do. He's laid on an altar. Abraham has a knife in his hand. And just before the act of taking his life, he's commanded to stop. And there's this ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And God says, you put that animal on the altar and let your son go free. And part of what he's doing, yes, he's testing Abraham. And it's more, there's more there than I think I could ever figure out what's going on. But one of the things that's going on is to be a picture of one day when God himself would offer, as it says in 17, his only begotten son. And he did not escape from the place of sacrifice, but he died, willingly not resisting, although he could have easily resisted. Instead, he died to take our place. It's a picture of substitution. And by the way, if you've come this morning and you've never trusted him as your Savior, I'd simply say to you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I mean, the price has been paid. It's, it's, it's received free from us. Yes, we have to believe it. And we have to have an understanding that we're going to turn from our sins and put our faith in the Lord and follow Him and obey Him. But He comes in and gives us the power, the ability, and the strength, and the motivation, and the information we need for those changes to start taking place. And then He promises us eternal life, not just eternal existence, but eternal life in the presence of God Himself. There's nothing better that you could receive than that gift. And if you need help in understanding what that means, we'd love to have a continuing conversation with you. I'd love to chat with you. Other pastors would. You may become with a Christian friend or family member. Maybe you'd feel more comfortable talking to them. But just open your heart to what God says because he gave his only begotten son. And Abraham was, Abraham was willing to do that. He obeyed. Secondly, we go down to the story of Isaac in verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. Now, Isaac is that son of a promise to Abraham and Sarah. Now, Isaac has these two, Jacob and Esau. And by the way, you can read their story. It goes basically from chapter 25 of Genesis. So it's sort of even their, uh, Jacob's children, goes all the way to the end of the book of Genesis in chapter 50. And by the way, these were people that had an interesting story. But let me give you this before I tell you another story. If we choose to obey, we will be a blessing to others. We will bless. That's what it says. By faith, Isaac did what? There's the verb right in verse 20. Bless Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Jacob turns around and does blessing again in his generation. By faith, Jacob, verse 21, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. So he was a blessing. He, he brought something positive into their lives. He brought something positive into the world, something helpful, something encouraging. He blessed. Now, I'm not going to take time to read their story. I hope you're familiar with it. If not, it's in the book, okay? As I already mentioned, beginning in chapter 25. But how should we say it this way? Um, Jacob and Esau didn't have the best of feelings for each other. Would that be putting it mildly? I mean, they were separated. They were estranged. One was colluding with the mother to kind of, uh, kind of do, do, do certain things. And it, it's just a mess. And by the way, all four generations you see in this text, all these people were a mess. If you don't believe me, just go back and read it. There's all kind of ugly stuff. And by the way, God doesn't hide the ugly from us too. In fact, I mean, you think about it. There's, there's favoritism among kids. You know, then you have, uh, you have this, this sort of this, you know, 
one wife, other wife, wife's handmaid, other wife's handmaid, and, and we have all these children of all these different women, and you have all this stuff going. These people would fill at least a week on Dr. Phil. I mean, I mean, seriously, this is just, it's bizarre stuff. But you know what? By faith, these messed up people saw God work, and they were, wound up being a blessing. And for all of us who are messed up people, starting with exhibit A right here, we are all messed up people, but if we live by faith, if we believe on Him, if we trust in Him, we can, in spite of our past, in spite of our present, we can be a blessing to others in ways we'll never, ever, probably ever know. And be a blessing to generations down. And that's what happens to these people. They bless them. And it says He blessed them. Now it says in verse 20, uh, but, uh, he, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. So that blessing there. And then Jacob turns around. And by the way, Jacob has an additional name. Don't let that confuse you. He also gets his name changed. He's also known as Israel. So his 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel, their descendants. So that's how that works. But he blessed them. And it says in verse, uh, verse uh, 21, Jacob, when he is dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. Now we're kind of flopping over into Joseph's story, but he blessed them. And that took place, actually it's two blessings. In uh, chapter 47 of Genesis, he brings Joseph in. Remember Joseph winds up in Egypt. There, you talk about a mess of a story. Oh, there's, de- there's the brother. Let's just kill him. Oh, no, let's don't kill him. Let's sell him to slavery so we can make some money off of getting rid of our brother. And then we'll tell dad that he's dead or let him leave that conclusion. And then he goes down and he go- winds up being a slave. He's mistreated. He winds up in prison. He's forgotten by people he helped. And then in the great province of God, the blessing... He ascends to this great place, this great position in Egypt. And it just so happens that a famine comes. And the only place that's got food is Egypt. And the person in charge of the, of the food stores is Joseph. And then his brothers show up. You can read it at your leisure. But in spite of all that, Joseph is the one that he calls out. And he gives a special blessing to two of the two sons of Joseph. And that's what that's referring to. So we want to be a blessing. In spite of our family turmoil, in spite of the turmoil around this world, God indeed can use us to be a blessing. Part of that obedience and part of that blessing means laying aside some of the hurts. Words like forgiveness, love, not, not, not assuming motives when we don't know what those motives are. And in the... I think this is true, and I'm not trying to judge any of your families, but all of us have family. Family is just difficult. You know, brothers, sisters, parents, children, it's, it, there's, there's, there's just some reality there. But God wants you to bless your family, and he wants, to bless your, wants you to bless your church family, and he wants you to bless the family of the humankind because you're a person who chooses to believe God. Believe that God is bigger. To believe that God has a bigger, higher plan than all the little ups and downs and twists and turns we experience in life. And that's what they found out along the way. So, let's go to the next story, all right? So, if you choose to believe, you'll bless. If you choose to believe, you'll obey. Thirdly, if you choose to believe, you will worship. And that's verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. And by the way, this is all right here in the text, okay? He obeyed. They blessed. Here you see it. Worship. It's right there in verse 21. If you choose to, to believe, you will worship. Now notice it says he did this leaning on his staff. Well, what, why does he say that? Is that just what old, old guys did? They leaned on their staff, perhaps. Now there's more to it than that. 
If you were a traveler in those days, traveling on foot by any distance, if you're a traveler, you had a staff in your hand. It's sort of that walking stick that took you through. It was, it was a vital tool in, the, in, the, in the, the, the transportation on foot. It was saying this. Jacob, when he, when he blesses those sons, he was an old man, but he was still a traveler. He was still a pilgrim. He was still a stranger. He was still a foreigner. Even though Abraham had received the promise, Isaac to Isaac the promise was confirmed, and the promise by a direct intervention of God was confirmed to Jacob and to his descendants that they would have a place and a belonging. He was a traveler in that land. In other words, like Abraham two generations before him, he never saw the fulfillment of the promises of God in his earthly lifetime, but he believed them. How do we know he believed them? Because he passes on that blessing to Joseph's sons and says there's going to be a great future there, that God's at work. You have to believe him. You have to believe what you cannot see. And that becomes the cause for worship. Only God can do. I mean, we can do so much in a lifetime, perhaps, but only God can work through the generations and can work through the pages of history and can work into eternity and work behind the scenes and work through his spirit. That's the great thing about the church. You know, we have ups and downs. Julie and I were somewhere a while back in a church that we've known around for a while, and the church is just, it's just not doing well. Just a handful of people attend, and they're struggling, and, and it, was, it was very sad and disheartening. We tried to find some ways maybe we could encourage those folks. But it was just sad. But you know what? We may have our struggles, but I do know this. Jesus said, I will build my church. And maybe he doesn't give a promise to any individual church, but in the big picture, he's going to finish the work he's called to do in this generation. And he's calling out from every nation, tribe, tongue, language, people that are people after his own name. Is going to populate heaven with people who are people who have chosen to believe. And those people who, are cho- who have chosen to believe that come to him in faith are going to surround the throne, and we're going to spend all of eternity worshiping and praising our God. The great news is we can start now. We can get a head start on the celebration now. And we've worshiped this morning. We've sung, we've given, we've prayed, we've come together. And that should flow through the demeanor of our lives. You know, others can see a lot about your demeanor by our language on the outside, the language we speak or the body language we have. May God give us hearts filled with joy and contentment in spite of the rough, roughness and rockiness of this world. We need to praise Him. We need to offer Him our thanks, our peace, for the peace that we have and the joy that He creates. In fact, that's what the Spirit of God wants to do in our hearts. You're familiar with this passage. It's found in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, where it talks about what the Spirit wants to do in each of us. Here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we are people who live by faith, knowing that the Spirit is at work and God is at work and We're just one small part of that great grand work of God. And someday we're going to be around the throne with all of our brothers and sisters throughout all the ages. Friends, we have every reason to worship. Now we come to Joseph's story. And there's actually two terms we find with Joseph. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. That's the first part. And gave instructions concerning his bones. So 
He was this great official, as you know, in Egypt. Because of the famine, all of his family had come down and lived in the land of Goshen. They spend about four, plus 400 years there until the time of Moses and the Exodus. And you know that story as they go back to the land. So he's dying and he says this, I want you to know something. He said, the, we are going to depart Egypt. We are going to go back to the land of promise. He died not going back to the land of promise. But he believed they were going. His faith connected by what he, what he knew to be true, and this is what he did. If you choose to believe, you will tell others about that said truth. And he gathers them together, and he just, I just, you know, he gave them a speech. <laughs> you know what? God's going to visit us. And you can read this in the chapter 50 of Genesis. God will visit his people, and when that happens, you'll go back to that land. And God wants us to tell. He wants us to tell. And uh, maybe you need to tell somebody and just wait for the eye roll. Maybe that's what will happen. Or maybe they will cut you off. Or maybe the Spirit of God might poke into their hearts about what they need to believe. And they may see in you that something is real and tangible because you are living by faith in this real world. So tell others what you're expecting, even if they don't expect the same for themselves. I just encourage you to be sure to tell that. But then he gives instruction. If you choose to believe, you'll be able to instruct others. And it says there in 22, and gave instructions concerning his bones. <laughs> he, 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 he did a pre-need arrangement for his, his departure. But you know what? Now, you understand the Egyptians were pretty big on having places to bury important people, right? Pyramids, the Valley of the Kings, all these great monuments we still dig up and people go to visit all these centuries later. I would suspect that being the, the, basically the one who saved everybody from death through this preparing during the years of fat to prepare them for those seven years of famine, I bet he could have gotten a very nice monument to be buried in, don't you? But it says this in the text. This is his command. He says, I want you, and it says this at the end of, the, of, of Genesis. His bones were put into a, into a coffin, a casket. And he said, when you return to that land, you take my bones back to that land. Now, this is some four centuries later before this takes place. But uh, Joshua 24, 32 tells us after the time of Moses, after the Exodus, after the time of Joshua, the conquest, it says in 24 Joshua that they carried his bones and buried him under a specific tree in the land of promise. He believed that there was something even beyond. He wanted his story to be told. I've often wondered for the 40 years in the wilderness, who had the task of carrying the casket around all those years? Now, maybe it, was, maybe it was a small compact package that was tied on the back of somebody's wagon, but, but someone had that job, and they were faithful to it. And this was a way that he extended his testimony even beyond his life, and we're still talking about it today. We need to give instructions to others beyond our lifetime. We really should. I want to encourage you to, if you've never done this, put in writing your story of how you were saved and what you believe, and put it somewhere where your family knows where it is and share it with them. Uh, if you need help with that, by the way, we have a resource on our website, and you can just uh, text the words Faith Story to our church phone number, which is 304-346-9681, and it'll give you help how to do that if you need help doing that. But uh, there's the story of you. And of all the things you could pass on to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and anyone that comes after, what, could, what better could you pass on than your story that you, by faith, became one of God's children. 
By faith, you try to live for him. By faith, you try to do what you could do for his glory. Hey, that'll be a comfort to your family someday when they can read that. But also, it'll be instructive to them. And by the way, you don't even have to wait till you, you know, the end of life to, to publish that, if you like. Share that. And by the way, that can be a real tool. On that same page I just said you could access by that uh, text, on the same page, there's, 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 what, how, it, there's some helps to help you know how to share that story with others as a way to share Christ with them. But it says here in verse 22, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel, gave constructions, instructions concerning his bone. I hope this is true for you. I, I know it will be true if we choose to. But if your faith, through your faith, your faith will allow you to meet, understand, and respond to all of life experiences. That phrase that we've saw four times in these few verses, it appears all the way through this chapter. You can see in verse 17, by faith, Abraham. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac. 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. The story, the legacy that we need to live as God's people is simply this, by faith, and put your name after that. May God help us to live by faith, not by sight. You know, the Bible says that Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you have something right there with you that Abram never had. Isaac never had. Jacob never had. The sons of Jacob never had. Joseph never had. Because we have the complete, authoritative, eternal word of God that he's preserved for us and brought to us in our own language. And this tells us what to obey. It tells us how to bless tells us how to, what to believe. You see, Joseph, as he looked forward, what he thought gave that instructions about his bones, he looked into the future, and he knew two things. He knew what he believed, and he knew where he belonged. May God help us that by faith that we know what we believe, and it comes directly from the Word of God. And that we know where we belong, and that's in his family, and a great future waiting for us. Father, thank you for your Word this morning. Thank you for letting us walk along for a few moments with these persons of faith. Lord, they had their struggles. They had their moments where their faith faltered, their moments of disobedience, their moments of family turmoil, their moments where there's lack of honesty, on and on it goes. But Lord, these by faith have become, become part of our heritage of faith. And Father, help us to choose to believe that we would be people that by faith, that we'd be people who obey, people who bless, people who worship, people who tell, people who instruct. We know you'll grant us grace to do that as we believe you. And Lord, we just want to commit to that belief even now in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship and study brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia. If you are in the Charleston area, we would love for you to worship with us in person. For service times and more information, visit our website, calvarywv.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.